Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. Our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, the annual March for Life is going virtual this year amid concerns of COVID. We also have a deep dive into Ramsey Solutions, the company behind the popular money guru, Dave Ramsey. We begin today with news that a Christian crowdfunding site that was used to finance the efforts of the Proud Boys and other radical groups associated with the January 6th insurrection in Washington, D.C. Yeah, the organization is called Give, Send, Go, and it's the name of their website as well. And it's usually used by Christians to help them raise money for mission trips or other kind of mission-related activities. But the site is cheap to use and has few restrictions on how it can be used. So in Henry, better known as Enrique uh, Tario, the national chairman of the radical group Proud Boys, raised more than $113,000 from more than 2,000 donors to fund his legal defense efforts following the January 6 riots. And Tario is not alone. The Washington Post reported that the Christian website has been sort of a refuge for outcasts and extremists, including fringe groups such as the Proud Boys, as well as other conspiracy theorists. And one of the consequences of Give, Send, Go is that PayPal will no longer process transactions for that site. Yeah, Jacob Wells is the chief financial officer for Give, Send, Go, and he told Bloomberg News, I'm extremely hesitant to trample or walk on freedom uh, at the outcry of public opinion. Wells also said that if the law dictates that we can't have certain things on the site, we'll adhere to the law. The Proud Boys controversy, though, is not the first for Give, Send, Go. The organization drew criticism back in 2020 for helping to raise money for people accused of crimes, among them Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer charged in the killing of George Floyd, and Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who was charged with killing two men and wounding a third in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Our next story concerns the March for Life. This is an annual pro-life event, which often draws tens of thousands of people. It's going virtual this year. Yeah, it sure is. In fact, among the tens of thousands, Natasha, you and I were both there last year, so I don't know about you, but I'm kind of uh, missing not being up there. But anyway, the the move online comes as the COVID-19 pandemic may be peaking. That Those are the words that uh, March for Life put out in a press release amid the heightened and amid heightened pressures that law enforcement officers and others are currently facing in and around the capital area. Um, the March for Life website said now two weeks before the event was set to take place uh, that it was going to be virtual only in Washington, D.C. Though the March for Life is an outdoor event, delegations from Catholic and evangelical schools often travel to the march from across the country. Also, many organizations typically hold meetings in conjunction with the event. So both travel and indoor meetings have been dramatically curtailed, and those factors definitely played a role in, um, in this decision to go virtual. Yeah, it did. But the 
event will go on on your computer and scheduled speakers include NFL uh, player, former NFL player, Tim Tebow, Jim Daly, who's the president of Focus on the Family, J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Sissy Graham Lynch, who is the daughter of Franklin Graham and the granddaughter of evangelist Billy Graham, and Archbishop Joseph Nauman of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas. They'll all be involved in the event leading prayers and giving speeches. Now, Warren, let's do one more story before we go to break, and that's more news about Dave Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey generated controversy back in December when it went public uh, that he had plans for a huge Christmas party, and he wasn't going to require either face masks or social distancing. We reported on that story back then. Local officials in Nashville called the movie responsible since the city at that time, and it's continued to experience a COVID surge, and many Ramsey employees have tested positive for the virus. In fact, I've heard as many as 100 of Ramsey's 800 employees have tested positive. Now, that event and Ramsey's response to it uh, pretty much shone a bright spotlight on Ramsey's organization, and Ramsey created yet more controversy by the way he's lashed out at the media since then. So the latest controversy exposes some of the inner workings of Ramsey's organization, and they don't look that great. Yeah, that's right. From the outside, Ramsey's organization does look pretty cool. I mean, he has a nationally syndicated uh, radio talk show. Uh, He uh, does workshops all around the country, and some of them are pretty exclusive. His Entre Leadership Workshop uh, sells for about 3000 to as much as $10,000 a ticket. And, of course, um, thousands and thousands of churches around the country host Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which is a nine-week program built around principles for what Ramsey calls handling money God's way. Now, Ramsey's primary product, he says, is hope, which is often in short supply when people's debt mounts up. And that's something Ramsey, in fact, knows firsthand. When he was in his mid-20s, Ramsey and his wife owed millions of dollars after their real estate business failed. Following advice from a church friend, they got out of debt, rebuilt their own lives, and started Ramsey Solutions. Yeah, and he built a company that now has more than 800 employees. Yeah, he did. And and I want to be really clear that a lot of the folks love working there, uh, but a growing number of former employees are saying that the company has kind of a cult-like environment where leaders proclaim their love for staff one day, but then might fire them on a moment's notice. But Warren, it's his company and it's not a ministry. There's certainly plenty of bad bosses out there. So why did you get interested in this story? Well, in part because of a series of legal actions that have spilled over into the public spotlight. Uh, Though Ramsey Solutions is not a Christian ministry, many of the rules that uh, Ramsey has for employees, such as prohibitions uh, against extramarital sex, are kind of in the gray area of employment law. And more to the point here, because obviously I am, as a Bible-believing Christian, opposed to extramarital 
sex, but those laws are being selectively enforced. One female employee who was not married got pregnant. She was immediately fired. But a senior executive, Chris Hogan, who often, in fact, subs for Dave Ramsey on his radio program and has a book deal of his own, went through a nasty divorce that revealed multiple extramarital affairs, including at least one with another Ramsey employee. However, Chris Hogan was not fired, but sent to counseling. Okay, so there's hypocrisy and a double standard. Yeah, that's right. And there's also the way that Ramsey has dealt with the criticism, as I mentioned at the top of the story. Uh, He sent a sarcastic email to Religion News Service that ultimately went viral. It was an email that mockingly admitted that he was a bad person. In fact, here's a portion of the email. It said, we want to confirm to you that that you are right. We are horrible, evil people. And he held a staff meeting in which he railed against both journalists who were covering the story and employees who didn't like the restrictions that Ramsey Solutions put in place. He said this, I'm sick of dealing with all this stuff. I'm so tired of being falsely accused of being a jerk when all I'm doing is trying to help people stay in line. Well, doesn't he have a point? I mean, uh, sometimes rules like that might feel restrictive, but they actually keep both the employer and the employee out of trouble, or at least cause them to think twice before taking action. Well, I think you're absolutely right about that, Natasha. Rules are necessary, and lots of rules are even good. And I would affirm Ramsey's commitment to moral behavior. But here at Ministry Watch, we're also all about transparency and accountability. Ramsey's organization is not a nonprofit organization, but he has thousands of church partners who purchase products and services from him. The truth is that Ramsey wants the benefits of private ownership and entrepreneurship, the wealth and and independence that goes with that without having to have the restrictions and the transparency requirements that nonprofit organizations have. Tens of millions of dollars have poured into Ramsey's organization over the years from churches. Ramsey has built his empire, let's be plain, on donor funds. Uh, His ministry partners uh, deserve to know what's going on. If they like what Ramsey is doing, then that's great. They can keep supporting it. But if these double standards cause them some concern, they deserve to know that too. Well, Warren, we have to take a break, but later in the program, the story of a ministry that is making a difference in a small South Carolina town. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, Warren, newly inaugurated President Joe Biden has 
unveiled a $1.9 trillion stimulus package to boost the economy and get past COVID. And the summary of these plans are 19 pages that is thin on details for nonprofits, including Christian ministries. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, nonprofits are expressly included in a $35 billion loan program, a fund that is similar to the payroll protection program fund that we saw last year. Nonprofits can also benefit from about a $3 billion economic development grant program. The $3 billion would go to a government organization called the Economic Development Administration, or the EDA, and that's about twice as much money as was in the CARES Act. That money would go for grants to provide um, direct money to states and local government entities, institutions of higher learning, and nonprofits to fund initiatives that support what the act calls bottom-up economic development, as well as enabling good-paying jobs. Now, I should add that President Biden's proposal also calls for a $1,400 per person payment directly to individuals. Now, here at Ministry Watch, uh, we're encouraging those who don't need those payments, those who haven't had their incomes interrupted, to consider giving all or a significant portion of that money to their favorite ministry. Well, speaking of favorite ministries, our next story might cause some of our listeners to have a new candidate for that honor. Well, I think that's right. Uh, the ministry is the Dream Center. Now, some of our listeners might know uh, that we've been reporting on other Dream Centers around the country, one in Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. We recently highlighted a Dream Center in Colorado Springs, but those are big towns. This one is in the small South Carolina town of Easley, population of about 20,000. And that's one of the reasons that I really like this story. It's an example of the reality that even small cities, suburban areas, and rural areas have real problems with homelessness and substance abuse, but some of these towns have also figured out real solutions as well. And one of the features of the Dream Center is its Opportunity Village. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, Opportunity Village is a year-long program that actually involves tiny homes uh, in on the campus of the Dream Center uh, for homeless women and children. When you commit to someone for a year, and more importantly, that person commits to you in the program, you can actually achieve true life-transforming change. Well, you said it can achieve. Are there numbers that support that? What have they actually achieved? Well, it's a good question. Important question, actually. The Dream Center was launched in 2012 by a team of seven volunteers who wanted to tangibly live out their Christian faith. And during those eight years, the Dream Center has served about 3,500 people in crisis situations. About 1,500 of them have been homeless. Now, Chris Wilson is the executive director of the Dream Center, and Wilson said that these original volunteers uh, got to know each other because they were volunteering at a local soup kitchen. But they also came to believe that that kind of work, soup kitchen work, providing, you know, free meals, while necessary, wasn't really sufficient. It wasn't dealing with the problem. So those same people came back to the soup kitchen day after day after week after month. They were getting fed, but they weren't getting any better. Um, Also, the community had no homeless shelter or any cold weather shelter. So what happened next? Well, they started uh, building some of those services that we've already talked about. And in 2016, they began that Opportunity Village, a small campus of about 
23 tiny homes, each complete with a front porch and a little bit of landscaping around it, and they all face a central green area. This is where the intensive year-long residency program takes place. It's a community, really, where coaching, teaching, mentoring can happen that also deals with mental, physical, as well as spiritual issues. Wow, that is such a great story. Well, it really is. And I especially want to commend our writer, Bethany Starin, for this story. It's about 2,000 words long and uh, really is an in-depth look at this ministry and how they do what they do. And as is often the case, we are not able to tell it all here. So you should go to ministrywatch.com for the complete story. And it's right on the front page. Now, we're going to take another break, but when we return, new advice for ministry leaders and more ministries making a difference. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Warren, up next, you have some news for ministry leaders. Yeah, I do. And and before we get to that news, though, I want to say that the mission of Ministry Watch is to be an advocate for donors. We advocate for transparency and accountability so donors can make good giving decisions. But a part of that mission is also to share best practices for ministry leaders. After all, donors and ministries are not in an adversarial relationship. They're partners. They're all in the work of ministry together. That's why we devote at least some of our time on the Ministry Watch website to stories that we think will make ministries more effective and efficient. Well, that certainly makes sense. And that is the spirit of our next story. Yeah, it is. It's a story about what works when it comes to fundraising. According to a new study by the business intelligence firm Data Axel, 29% of donors contributing uh, through an organization's website do so after they were contacted through some other channel. And believe it or not, even in this digital age, the most effective channel for communicating with donors continues to be direct mail. Though I should say the effectiveness of direct mail falls dramatically by age groups with, as you might guess, younger donors being the least responsive. Now, before we go, Warren, you have some ministry news. So what's the latest? Well, that comes from Christina Darnell's uh, Ministries Making a Difference column. And first up, Global Ministries is celebrating its 25th anniversary year, equipping indigenous Christians who live near the least reached people groups to share the gospel, make disciples, and build locally sustainable churches. It's a Pennsylvania-based nonprofit group. It works in 62 countries. And last year, uh, through its partner organizations and directly, it helped plant more than 35 500 churches with 83,000 
professing new believers. Pretty remarkable. Also in the news this week, CareNet Pregnancy Center of Las Cruces in New Mexico transitioned to a medical pregnancy center uh, in late 2020. Uh, That means that it now provides ultrasounds and other medical services for its clients. CareNet Pregnancy Center of Las Cruces worked with about 580 clients in 2019, and they ranged from high school-aged girls up to women in their 40s. And finally, Samaritan's Purse continues to be jumping into the COVID fray as it prepares to open yet another emergency field hospital, this time in L.A. County. A disaster assistance response team, including doctors and nurses, is already on the ground there, and the mobile unit will house about 50 beds to care for COVID-19 patients, Uh, and it'll be in the parking lot of a local church, Antelope Valley Hospital in Lancaster. And what organizations do you have in the ministry spotlight this week? Well, this week, it's Life Issues Institute. Life Issues Institute is run by Brad Mattis, and it's one of the oldest pro-life organizations in the country. It was founded in 1972, actually a year before Roe v. Wade. Uh, The budget for this group is about a half a million dollars a year. You can learn more and take a deep dive into the financials of Life Issues Institute by going to ministrywatch.com. Now, Warren, I know you have one more housekeeping item before we go. Yeah, I guess you could call it a housekeeping item, but I got to say that I'm pretty excited about it, and I normally don't get too excited about housekeeping in general. Uh, Our technology wizard is Stephen DeBerry, and he's figured out a way to show the salary data for about two-thirds of the ministries in our database. Uh, What that means is that you can go to the profile of a ministry in the Ministry Watch database. And by the way, we have almost 800 ministries in our database now, and you'll be able to see salary information for every executive uh, listed on that ministry's Form 990. Uh, I should add that we have salary information for just thousands of uh, these Christian ministry executives. This is a huge development for us here at Ministry Watch, and I think it'll end up being a huge service to our database users. So check out this new addition to the Ministry Watch website. Just go to ministrywatch.com, click on the red button at the upper left-hand side of the page. That'll take you to our database. Then there's a search engine right front and center. All you have to do is type the name of a ministry that you're interested in, and uh, our profile will pop right up. Now, with this compensation information for all the top executives. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Rod Pritzer, Christina Darnell, Mark Hirwana, Bethany E. Starin, Bob Smatima, and Emily Miller. And thanks to our friends at the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.